Well, good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Anita J and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater living west of Boston. Today is Monday, June 11th, 2018, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. And today we'll be reading from the big book, and we are on page 69, the third paragraph, which begins, whatever our ideal turns out to be, reading through four paragraphs, ending with, when to yield would mean heartache. Comments will be taken on all four paragraphs. Today's readers are for the 12 steps, Esther F, 12 traditions, Sandy L. And readers of the text this morning are Allison L, Katie G, and in that bullpen is Russ M. The share ID number for yesterday The special edition, Sunday, June 10th, was 11,520. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And now I will ask Esther F. to read OA's 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. Here are the 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and become, became willing to make amends to them all. 
Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you so much, Esther F. And I'll now ask Sandy L. to read OA's 12 Traditions. Good morning, everyone. I'm calling in from west of Chicago. The 12 Traditions. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be full of self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for this opportunity to serve, and I pass. Thanks very much, Sandy L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. 
So today we resume our study of the big book and we are on page 69, the third paragraph. That's the bottom paragraph. And you're going to be reading through four paragraphs, ending with, um, ending with, whatever it ends with. <laughs> A when to do so would mean heartache. All right. And now I will ask um, Sandy, Allison L. to get us started. Yes, good morning. This is Allison L. in Ohio. Whatever our ideals turned out to be, we must be willing to grow toward it. We must be willing to make amends where we have done harm, provided that we, that we do not bring about still more harm in so doing. In other words, we treat sex as we would any other problem. In meditation, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. The right answer will come if we want it. God alone can judge our sex situation. Counsel with persons is often desirable, but we let God be the final judge. We realize that some people are as fanatical about sex as others are loose. We avoid hysterical thinking or advice. Suppose we fall short of the chosen ideal and stumble. Does this mean we are going to get drunk? Some people tell us so. But this is only half truth. It depends on us and on our motive, motives. If we are sorry for what we have done and have the honest desire to let God take us to better things, we believe we will be forgiven and will have learned our lesson. If we are not sorry and our conduct continues to harm others, we are quite sure to drink. We are not theorizing. These are facts out of our experience. To sum up about sex, we earnestly pray for the right ideal for guidance in each questionable situation, for sanity, and for strength to do the right thing. If sex is very troublesome, we throw ourselves the harder into helping others. We think of their needs and work for them. This takes us out of ourselves. It quiets the imperious, imperious urge, which to yield would mean heartache. All right. So happy Monday morning, everyone. Let's kick this week off right. This is Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. And lots of paragraphs here to read um, talking about our ideals, our sex ideals, letting God guide them. Um, and and thank God that this this is covered in here. There was so much shame and guilt in my life around my sex conduct. And while it was the one thing I didn't want to deal with or talk about, it was the one secret I wanted to keep to myself, this was where um, the most um, release to another person was the most healing um, that I needed to let this go. God already knew, but to say it out loud to another person, to not keep those secrets to myself, those were killing me, causing me to eat time and time again. I tried doing a fourth step where I um, didn't, you know, let somebody know all of the, the things in my sex conduct, and that didn't work. Um, I did go back to the food. I did relapse. And so, you know, I can't do that um, anymore. The second time around, I, I, it was all on there. It was all out in the open. I have no secrets, not even about my sex. The one thing I thought that um, I would take to my grave um, and was something from my sex conduct. And, it, you know, somebody knows, and I, I didn't die, and she... Um, you know, she said, hey, no big deal, kind of me too. And um, yeah, and then 
uh, as far as what my ideals should be going forward, my old ideals about sex weren't in my um, sex powers that were God-given or were not working. Those ideals were, hey, I've got some kind of power. Let me wield it however I can and let me use it to get what I want, validation, attention, love, affection, um, and, and all these un- unhealthy ways using my God-given sex powers. And that wasn't working. So, God, I don't even know how to use these sex powers you've given me, but I know that I'm supposed to use them for some kind of, of good, some kind of um, uh, in my life for, for relationships. So, so it tells me here. It gives me guidance. It gives me prayers that I can, I can pray, and I pray these every day. This isn't like a one-time, God, give me the right ideal. Now I'm going to go on my merry way, and that's going to last me a lifetime. No, no, I take these into my life every day and continue to pray, and, and God can change my ideals as, as he sees fit as I grow, as I, I'm growing spiritually. Um, they do change, and I, I keep them very simple. God gifts me with very simple ideals, not a laundry list of to-dos and, and not-to-dos, um, but uh, I sit quietly with God as I go through those, and and I do my best to to live up to the ideals He gives me when I'm quiet. Um, and um, sex was very troublesome for me, so I do throw myself even harder into helping others, and I'm gonna keep doing that every day, saying the prayers and doing the work, and showing up. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Allison L. You kicked us off very well. Who else would like to share on these four paragraphs? Barbara. Katie G. from Boston. Okay, hold on, hold on. Barbara, Russ, and Katie G. Go ahead. Who else? Charles H. Charles H. Jersey. Uh, Vasa O. Wait, but who was before Vasa from New Jersey? Kim G. Kim. Okay, Kim G. Ginger C. Okay, Ginger. All right, that's seven of you. This is wonderful. And I heard everybody. Oh, my gosh. Okay, Barbara E., Russ M., Katie G., Charles H., Kim G., Vasa O., and Ginger C. All right, good morning, Barbara E. Barbara, are you there? Ah, Good morning. I was talking to a muted machine. Thank you so much, Anita. Maybe that's God's way of saying I shouldn't be talking today. Uh, But I would like to chime in because this scared me most. And for me, I like to do, just jump in for for something that scares me. In meditation, it says, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. How have I personally, Barbara, been cold, lacking in desire, have I let my shame about my body weight and how I felt my, about myself in general, general influence my behaviors? God alone can judge my action, my own sex situation. Does this mean if I file, fall short, the book says, I will eat again? I don't think so. It's only a half-truth, it says. It depends on our motives. If I'm sorry... And if I had the honest desire to take me to better things, I do believe that there will be forgiveness. If we have the honest desire to let God take us, we will be forgiven. We pray for the right motives and guidance. If sanity, and for, if we pray for sanity and strength to do the right thing 
and throw ourselves even more into work with others and their needs to take us out of ourselves, this for me is what I call a kind, loving, forgiving God. God can remove whatever self-will has blocked me from him. I know there are big book promises throughout the entire book. It's a kind, gentle book. I think there are something like 150 promises in this book, all the way from um, the doctor's opinion right through step 12 and beyond. It is such a forgiving, loving, kind, gentle book. I can't go back and undo the shame, the withholding, the coldness, but I can do my best to give my husband a hug today, show my son who lives with us that we are a loving, caring family, and move on and work with others. Thank you again so much. I look forward to hearing everyone else and their wisdom. I pass. Thanks very much, Barbara E. Russam, good morning. Good morning, Anita. Good morning, family. Russam, recover compulsive reader outside of Philly. Now about sex, right? Ugh. I still get chills when I read that part because, uh, you know, coming up to that part of the inventory, now I was doing everything buzzing through, oh, I'm Mr. OA, and got to that point, I'm like, oh, goodness. And I hit the, hit the pump the brakes, you know? So my, my sponsor, my awesome sponsor, he's just like, look, do you want to get free or you don't? You just got to do it. And I just emptied everything out on that paper. And um, as I did that, I didn't realize how connected my past behavior sexually was related to this condition and how it bound me. And, uh, you know, I, I realized that I hurt a few people. And, um, you know, I made amends, but, you know, sometimes you still feel a little guilt with that because it's just, you know, it's a special thing, sex, you know, this is what God gave us, this beautiful gift. And, um, I ain't getting on no, uh, I ain't preaching now. Now, whatever you do, you do. But I know for me that, uh, you know, you give yourself, give a part of yourself to someone and, um. I didn't realize the damage I did and how it was binding me up. And I was fearful that I couldn't be truthful in these in this uh, inventory. Having said that, once I started typing it out, it just came out. And my fear was lifted. And when I went through it with my sponsors, like, yeah, man, I did that. Oh, that's, that's rough. I could see why that happened. I could see why this happened. And he made connections to me, and there was there was relief that came off of me, and it healed me. And putting that sex ideal together, you know, that's what I'm shooting for, a good, healthy thing, you know, respecting my wife. Just the whole nine yards, hey, respecting other women, right, straight up. You know, in our minds, you could do a lot of things. You know, if you did it in your mind, you already did it. So, let's, you know, I, I shoot for to try to keep that right, too, so to you could tell I'm a little uncomfortable, but I had to speak on it because it bound me. It locked me up for years. It locked me up for years, and I didn't realize I was holding on to these things. So thank God for this program. Thank God Bill W. was a stone alcoholic 
that we have freedom today and we have this beautiful program. Love you guys. You have a great day. Thanks so much, Rossam. Katie G., good morning. Good morning, my friends. Katie G., recovered in Boston. And um, what struck me the most this morning was that we avoid hysterical thinking and advice. And what I'm, what I'm thinking about is like all the hysterical thinking and advice that I looked for because I felt so broken in my sex conduct and so ashamed of the things that I, do- that I had done. My first sex ideal was somebody else's. And, well, there were two things. One, I thought my sex ideal was a Match.com ad, so like who my future beau was going to be. And then I wrote somebody else's sex ideal because I still was so devoid of self. And what I mean by that is um, there were women who were of a particular religious denomination that I didn't identify with, but I was so devoid of self. I didn't yet have access to God that I wrote what they should write, like what, what was true for them. Um, so thank God that um, there's a shift happening, right, from my chaos creating, from my controlling other people, from my, um, you, know, the, you know, not like believing fundamentally that everybody in a relationship is a liar and a cheat and I can't trust them and all this mishigash in my head, where we shift to like <clears throat> these prayers, you know, like, and, and we're not looking for other people now, right? And we can use this um, earnestly pray for the right ideal in each questionable situation, relationship, anybody, um, that we, you know, for sanity. I mean, this is the way we can start each of our day. And it not just if sex is troublesome, but like, man, if anything is troublesome, I need to throw myself harder into helping others because me, my imperious urge, my overbearing, domineering, selfish, self-centered lady wants my needs to be met at all costs, right? And I get into that fear and the grappling. And what this book is telling me is we need to have that shift from hysterical thinking and advice to prayer, to asking God, like, like, you know, step one begins telling me, I need God. I have no power, no choice, no control around the food, and I need God. Um, you know, and yeah, this does say if we are not, if we're not sorry, and that doesn't mean I am to approach the divorced man's kids that I had an affair with, right? We're not there yet. It's just saying we need to take some action at some point. We need to be, you know, have some remorse, stop doing what we're doing. Because if we don't, if we don't start to change and shift our behaviors, what's going to happen? Eating will be a step up from how I feel. That's just the bottom line across the board. So thank you, God. We can, you know, start to shift from hysterical thinking and advice, seeking it all the time to a God-centered way of being. And again, I know that I said this before, but God gave us sex, nothing to be ashamed of. But how are we going to use it today? How are we going to let God demonstrate through us in all of our relationships? And with that, I do pass. Thank you. Thanks very much. Very, very much, KBG. Charles H., good morning. You are up. Can't hear you, Charles. I was thinking I was on another meeting. I pressed four <laughs> star. I'm bugging. <laughs> that, that, good that, that's Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> good morning, young Anita J. You sound good up there. Um, Charles H. a recovered compulsive overeater, so I want to drill down. I mean, it's power packed, but where it says, uh, where the heck was I just now? Uh, I was, um, 
Oh man, I bugged out. It, whatever it says, it said something like I, I missed it. I had it. You know, I bugged out on it. The train coming. Um, but it says okay. It says sorry about that train. I'm in. I'm in the apple. So you know how that goes. In meditation, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. The right answers will come if we want it. And I see that if that's the condition, if we want it. Um, <clears throat> I had to grow towards my sex ideal. Um, I, I love sex, and, and the reason why is because if it wasn't for sex, I wouldn't be on this line today. I would not uh, exist. So it's not that I love sex, like, to just go wild. And, and you know, thank God I had a guy to tell me it's not because you're being promis- promiscuous. It's um, <clears throat> using, you know, I could harm people at work. Like, sometimes some women bend over and ask me to pick something up because, or just because they should. I'll give you an example. Last week I was at work Friday, and um, I do music. I, I try to do mostly spiritual music, but I did, you know, I do some songs that, you know, uh, entertain that idea. And a lady came up to me, and she was showing a little bit too much of herself. And I said, excuse me, ma'am, um, it's inappropriate. But but before I said that, I gulped because I was, like, liking what I seen. But, <laughs> but then I heard the recovered voices in my ear, like, you know what? God alone can judge our sex life. And uh, I was like, you know, I was enjoying it, but I was like, excuse me, ma'am, if you could just cover up a little bit and I try to show her my married ring. Um, it's very nice to be noticed by the other, by the, you know, by the other, by, 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 fem- by females. But um, it's not nice for me to entertain that. I'm human, right? But I do have um, these 12 steps to, to lead me on the right path. And I gulped because she was looking good. And what I seen was looking real good. Let's keep it official. I ain't trying to act like I ain't nobody I ain't. I, and, and I gulped and I told her that. And she was like, okay, we can do She was talking to me about some guy that um, she was talking with the guy in the bedroom about me. I'm like, ma'am, I'm a married man. I don't, I don't do, I try not to do those things, right? You know, and I remember seeing this in a vision for you. The right answers will come if your house is in order. There's a condition in if. Like, if I want to if I wanna live a righteous life, I ain't trying to be perfect because, believe me, I look. Fine. And thank you very much. I'm going to pass. Thanks. Yeah, well, thanks very much, Charles. All right. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, Anita. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim Jay. Oh, goodness. As we're finishing up this uh, fourth step, inventory writing you know we had a resentment we had a we had a a sick man's prayer we we had a fear we had a fear prayer and here we are in in the sex conduct which is basically relationships and we have three prayers you know it's telling us how complicated it is when other people are involved so the prayers ask to have three different ways we ask god we in meditation and we earnestly pray you know, I have to tell you, for me personally, one of the mistakes I made was I left those fourth-step prayers in the fourth step. You know, these are prayers that we learn in the fourth step, and we're going to utilize the rest of our life. And just as a reminder that this inventory is an inventory process. It's four through nine. And in four through nine, we learn that skill set, which we then implement in 10 and 11. You know, I often talk to people and I ask them where they are in their steps and they tell me, oh, I finished the steps last month and last year or last year or something. And the hair in the back of my neck goes up because we never finish these steps. 
what use is the skill set that we're learning if we don't continue to implement it? You know, we talk about these ideals. I've created ideals for all areas of my life. And how that's been helpful to me is when I go into step 11 at night and it asks me, what could I have done better? What corrective measures should be taken? I now have something to compare it to. How do I know what corrective measures should be taken? How do I know what I could have done better if I don't know how to align myself with my higher power? If I don't know what my ideal is at work with my family, with my friends, and in romantic relationships? You know, on top of 70, when it talks about when we fall short, does this mean we're going to eat? And it warns us, if we're not sorry and our conduct continues to harm others, we are quite sure to drink. They're warning us. And I don't think this is just about sex. I'm just going to give you an example from my own life. Gossip was a big problem. Does that mean I haven't gossiped since I've gone through the steps? Absolutely not. Of course I've gossiped. But when I have, I've immediately leaned into those steps. I've made my amends. I've got back in realignment with my ideals. And I've continued to be recovered. But I also believe if I say, screw it, this situation deserves the gossip, I don't care, I'm justifiably angry, and I will continue to do gossip, I know that I will eat again. Because I cannot live in restlessness, irritability, and discontentment, using my defects to hurt others and still continue not to eat. And the last thing I want to mention, just slam home, it says when sex is troublesome, when life is troublesome, we work the harder into others. I often hear people say when they're having a hard time, I need to drop my sponsees, I need to re-go through the steps, I need to think about me. That's what life tells us. Self-care, self-this. That's exactly the opposite of the spiritual life. This is not a program of self-help. It's a program of self-abandonment, and I do that through helping others. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Kim. Kim G. All right, Vasa O, and then it'll be Ginger C. Yes, thank you, Anita, for your service. I'm Vasa, grateful recovered compulsive overeater, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And thank you for your service and everybody's service for being here this morning. Good sharing. And uh, I know when I did my inventory in the fourth step, and I that was the last part. It seemed like of the inventory, and there's no graduation for me working the steps. You know. And my life gets better and easier as I go through the steps. And I, and I remember when I surrendered to God with the food, and I started trusting and relying on God with the food, and then gradually with my life and my will, because I could see what God was going to, go, doing to me with the food that I couldn't manage. I couldn't put it down by myself. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm getting the power, the strength, from within side of myself, and of course going to meetings and going to step meetings and listening how people did the fourth step and the fifth, and all the steps as they are laid out. But I remember when I came to the sex part, I was just so embarrassed. I was just so afraid. And I did it with a, man thera- with a therapist, my fourth and fifth step. And uh, when I came to this part, he said, you know, if you don't feel comfortable you don't have to do it with me. You can do you can do it with a woman. This man was just so amazing. He was just so respectful of me and the more he gave me that freedom, the more I wanted to do it with him. And I did it with him. 
he became like a father. I never, I could have never done this with my father or another man because I just didn't. Have, I had issues with trust. I had trust issues. But anyways, I did go back all the way back when I listed the people, even from my childhood when I had a crush. You know, I was six or seven years old, and I took the list all the way up to that point. You know, the the experiences I had. I didn't have lot of dating or anything like that. For me, like it was the emotional uh, fantasy. And, you know, of course, I was always looking for that love and attention from men. If they gave me the attention, that meant they liked me or they cared for me. And, uh, yes, I met a husband and I was looking for that love and attention. But I, it was never enough. I was always still looking, craving even when I was dating him, I was always still looking for other men's attention. And even when we got married, you know, whether my husband realized or not, he never complained about it. He never said anything to me, but I was always still looking for the love and attention from the outside of myself. And it's by the grace of God, you know. I, it's just, I'll wrap it up. If we are sorry for what we have done, and have the honest desire to let God take us better things. We believe we will be forgiven. I don't need that. I don't do that any longer. Any, I don't need it. I don't want it. I, like, I love men, but I'm not looking for that kind of love and attention. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thanks very much, Vasa O. Ginger C., good morning. You are up. Good morning, Anita. Thank you so much for your service. This is Ginger C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. And, um, you know, we are all so blessed to have this book and these clear directions because my past was a lot about harms that I had caused because I'm selfish and I'm self-centered. And now, today, a day to time, I have a really good chance not to create harms because I have directions that I follow. And most importantly, I have a God that I can lean on and that I go to. So someone had just mentioned this, you know, we're talking about this sex inventory, um, but it also says we reviewed our conduct. So I sort of say sex slash conduct inventory, because where am I gossiping and cheating and lying and stealing? This is another opportunity for me to get raw, to get real, to dig deep and to see my truth, because the truth always sets me free. And I love our directions. You know, it says God is to mold our ideals and help us to live up to them. I don't do this stuff. I'm an addict that self-destructs always. That has always been my message. That is always what I do. But for the grace of God, I sit here today recovered with this new experience. And it's only because of the pain of every beautiful bite. I had to take one less bite and I may not be sharing I finally got convinced head to heart. I am screwed when it comes to food and I need help. It's worse than your alcoholism, Ginger. It's worse than vodka. And I never felt that before. It was always an option. It was always my go-to when life got too hard. I wasn't going to give up my shiny medallion. I have too much pride. I liked that 24-year shiny medallion. But I was going to eat and I did and I ate and ate over and over. So thank God again that that Finally, that bite, that last bite convinced me. And I took step one like I had never taken step one before. 
but I love that, you know, what are my ideals? Because I have, you know, my thinking doesn't work. I need God's help with this. And I go to the four absolutes of the Oxford group. Is it absolutely unselfish? Is it absolutely honest? Is it absolutely loving? And is it absolutely pure? I have to check in with myself always. I have to check my motives always. A lot of my 10 steps, if I had checked motives prior to, the, to just reacting and doing, I may not be making that 10-step call. But I love on the last page, too, on 70, it says, if sex is very troublesome, and I say if life is very troublesome. You know, for me personally, I put the food down. I thought I was done. I love addictions. Some are sicker than others. I'm one of them. I've picked up many. My shopping went out the roof. The food went down, and then that whack-a-mole popped up shopping. So, you know, for me, it's whenever, whatever's troublesome, our directions again, we throw ourselves harder into working um, with others because then I get out of me and I get into you, and then it quiets that imperious urge when to yield with mean heartache. So I'm so grateful for that we get to do this a day at a time, and with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Ginger C. So I'm going to open it up again, and just as a reminder for the latecomers, we started with the last paragraph on page 69, whatever our ideal turns out to be, through four paragraphs, ending with when to yield would mean heartache. So who else would like to share? Wait, I, I wait a minute. Who was the first one? Was it, was it, was it Chrissy next? Chrissy and Charlie. All right, hold on. Pete, Roz, G. Let's see. Let me see what the, who I have here. This, and then we're going to just do these five and then see. Chrissy, and then was it Lori and and Charles, Charlie and Pete B. And who was that last? There was somebody after Pete B with a G. Nessa R? No. No, that wasn't it. Who was it before Nessa R? Well, we're going to hear. Chrissy G, let's start with you. Good morning. It's Chrissy G, recovered compulsive eater and anorexic from New Jersey. And it was... It was during the looking at the my part in um, my resentments, how I set the ball rolling, that I started to see the truth about myself and see my behavior, see my selfishness. I really, I didn't, I I didn't see it before. I um, it was very, it was very covert my selfishness because it was all, it was all hidden under a layer of uh, good Samaritan. You know, I, I, I did for others, did for others, and always with the expectation that I would, I would get something in return. But I didn't, I didn't see that. So a lot of my resentments were based on being resentful that I didn't get what should have been coming to me. And, and that, you know, that wasn't something that I could see until the sunlight of the spirit until the sunlight of the spirit came and, um, and opened up my eyes. And so what did it open up my eyes? I mean, it was, it was like, it's not, it, it didn't happen. It was like, 
it didn't happen overnight, you know, where I could see, but it was a beginning where I could see I was selfish. And then every time I did a 10 step with someone, I could see my selfishness again. And it was like, you know, it got easier and easier every time I saw it. And when I could see God working in me and really taking that, really turning that selfishness around and creating in me a more loving, giving, God-centered, people, other-centered existence, it, it's just, it's the only way to live. And I can't do it on my own. I have to continue to have other people with God with God's help, show me my sen- my selfishness, where where I need to change, where I need to grow, where I need to up the ante on my ideals. And with that, I pass. Thanks very much, Chrissy G. Was there a Laura or a Lori? Roz G, did you call me? No, Roz, I have you down after Pete. Okay, sorry. Okay, all right. So I'm, I'm hearing things. How about, was there a Charlie? Yes, Charlie B. Recovered uh, Overeater. Yes. This is uh, right. my first year. My first year. So, uh, what I'd like to uh, just let let everyone know on the call, first of all, I thank God for, the, for this program. Um, I didn't really relate to this part of the book and the sex issue. However, in... in, in really digging into it, and I think Kim G had mentioned, it really boils down to other factors in in my life that really affected the sex side. And I've been married a very long time. I am in a position where I could advance other people's careers. And, you know, I work with a lot of women. And there there had been jealousies with my wife and and the fact that I work with women. And I think subconsciously I I utilized that. You know, I utilized that and hung it over our heads. And uh, I really didn't see that until I dug into really the steps and the uh, the OA program and the big book. And I was in the OA halls for about a year in and out. And not until I started really studying the big book and joined the Vision for You, I really embraced you know everything it it, it really said. And uh, when I when I did my personal inventory and then apologized, I mean it, it just not only did it was it no longer about the food, uh, which was really just the very beginning, but then how this program just caused everything to come in alignment in my relationship with my wife and uh, just been phenomenal. And, you know, I truly see that once you work through all 12 steps, the maintaining of the steps is really key. It's so important. And it really keeps you out of the food because, again, the emotions are what drive the end result, which is the solution, which is the food. So it was really, uh, I just want to thank God for the program. It's, uh, I didn't think I would share on a subject like this, but I, I did relate. And, and it's not directly about sex or utilizing promiscuity or, or other factors, but the fact that I kind of utilized jealousy to, to manipulate sex. And I, I, without this program, I, I would have never had connected the dots. And I just want to thank this program and thank God that it's that it exists. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Charlie B. Welcome to the line. All right, PC, you are up. Thank you, moderator. Can you hear me okay? Yes, thank you. 
My name's Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater, recovered today by God's grace and mercy, and I'm in Pennsylvania. I don't know if I'm the only one who saw this, but I, I just got I just I just want to share what my head told me when I read this, right? So it's telling me, okay, I, I'm in I'm in Overeaters Anonymous. I'm in 12-step recovery program. I have to help other people. It's also telling me that I have sex powers, and they're God-given and therefore good. So why can't I use my sex powers to help other alcoholics, right? Like this, this is what my manipulative, selfish, self-centered mind thought. Because to me, sex meant the same thing that alcohol meant, that food meant. It meant relief. It meant, it meant that I was going to use something to get out of me and get out of the pain that being sober and being without food was causing. Right? And, and I think in the AA 12 and 12, it talks about when we put comfort ahead of character development, we have the cart before the horse, right? So if I'm using anything outside of me to get out of me, I'm, I'm putting the cart before the horse that I needed to develop character. And that's what this thing is. That's what, that's what, that's what ideals are, their character. And for me, um, and anybody who I've ever worked with, I, 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 you know, the, the product of the fourth step is these defined, literally defined ideals. Because I'll have ideals, and they'll go by the wayside as soon as I put myself in a situation that compromises those ideals. It's like being on a diet and then showing up at the ice cream bar. You know, and I go, well, you know, like I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to vary. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to modify what my ideal is. You know, ideals, you know, in my, in my estimation, there's something that has to be defined. They have to, it has to be something that, that, that I have to sit down and define by going with to my, by counsel with my God and my fellows and come up with this ideal. And then I'm challenged to live by it. And the last thing I'm going to say is that, uh, you know, this is the one area of the book that tells us that if we fall short in this area and continue to cause harm and continue to fall short and continue to victimize that we will drink again. And for us to drink is to die. And you know what, to drink and die, that's good news. The bad news is that it usually takes 15 years of misery or 20 years of misery and discord and unhappiness and, 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 uh, you know, uh, victims that have nothing to do with my condition. You know, that, that, that's the, that's the bad news. You drink and die, but it, it's a slow, painful, ugly death. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks very much. PP. Roz G. and then Nessa R. Good morning, Roz. Okay. Good morning. My name is Roz G., recovered compulsive overeater in Los Angeles County. And um, my sex life was molded and shaped by Hollywood. Um, talking about sex in my, in my childhood was, was secretive. Um, my mother had, you know, been sexually abused by her, uh, my, her sister's um husband, his brother-in-law, for years, and growing up in a modest Catholic background, that was very shameful for her, and, you know, was not talked about, and so talking about sex for her was like, like uh, Dracula and the garlic, you know, just like that, and my father, who had no emotions at all, never talked about sex. And so the only real ideal or model 
of a sex life was through Hollywood. You know, through Disney, it was someday my prince would come. So, you know, someday, uh, some way, if I dreamed enough that my, the man would save me and come into my life, or it was through soap operas, and the Dos Equis type of macho guy would run in and, and show up and save me and be there and be ideal because that's the way they were. And, you know, I was addicted to soap operas. And those were all about uh, quick relationships, marital affairs, and um, just fantasy and fun. So that was, that was kind of the way I learned about what sex should be like. And, you know, coupled with, you know, selfishness and self-centeredness and a compulsive overeating disease and eventually to show up in my life, um, yes, my prince did come, you know, he sang to me in the back of the restaurant and I was, uh, carried away, but eventually through eating and through all the, you know, the story that came up in my life, that was never enough, which nothing is ever enough. Um, uh, I wasn't satisfied. And so I looked to married men with kids one time and to, you know, another, it was just affairs. So uh, the 12 steps, the big book came into my life and through, you know, lots of study, uh, and one particular sponsor showed me this, these sentences, we asked God to mold and shape our ideals. So I spent many years as a single mom, celibate, um, and, and living and dwelling with God in order to, to mold. It's, it's taken a long time for me. And to just, uh, you know, study about it, watch other healthful marriage. Okay, and I'll wrap up by saying that I, today I have joined the, I look, I look to be able to date again, but I believe God has molded and shaped my ideals about it, and I put, hopefully put them into practice. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks very much, Roz G. Nessa R., it's your turn. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for you. My name is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. So an ideal, an ideal is a principle to be aimed at, a model, a guide for behavior, you know, some kind of um, uh, picture of, of, of perfection um, that I want to strive for. And so when it came to mold my, to, to figure out what my idea was, I didn't know what to do. Like, how do I mold my ideals? But this is why I go through the, the, the inventory, because the inventory is showing me what is my behavior until now. And, you know, by the time I, I was completing step four, you know, I knew that my behaviors weren't working for me. I knew that whatever I was doing, um, you know, wasn't really getting me the results that I wanted, quite the opposite. And... Um, you know, so I, I intuitively knew that I had to um, look for, for really the opposite. And so when I looked at my, uh, my step four chart, you know, my resentment, my fears, my, my conduct, you know, there was one um, common thread to just about everything. And it was that in everything, I was always focused on me and what I thought I needed, what I needed to get to life, what I needed to be happy, what I needed to be content. You know, it was all about me. And so if I had to 
um, um, come up with what an ideal should be for me. It had to be the opposite of that. And that became actually my ideal, not only with regards to sex conduct, but in all my relationships and all situations, that's what I strive for, is instead of focusing on what I need, I focus on what I'm needed for. And you know what? Um, it might seem um, unfair at the beginning because you might think, hey, what about me? If I don't look after me, you know, who who's going to look after me? You know, I have to look out for number one. But, you know, it's very counterintuitive. It is very counterintuitive and it is so freeing. It was so freeing because I no longer had to, you know, figure out how to manipulate a person, how to manipulate a situation. I was no longer a victim. Um, I was not always, I wasn't anymore, um, I wasn't hard done by anymore. It's like, okay, I can do that. Okay, Nessa, you know what? It's not about what you need. It's about what you're needed for. And as soon as I, I, I make that mind shift, you know, everything just becomes very easy, you know. It's not about getting what I want. What I want doesn't matter anymore because that's what used to, what used to matter before. And that's what got me into so much trouble and strife and acrimony in, in all my relationships at work, at home, with friends, everybody. And now it doesn't, it does no longer have to be that way. Of course, am I not perfect? Mm-hmm. You know, it says here, you know, thank you. We stumble. But, you know, when we stumble, we have that idea to set us straight. And, of course, we have this beautiful process of the 12 steps that, uh, you know, keeps me on the beam. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Nessa. We have time for one two-minute share. Who would like it? One two-minute share. Okay, Matt, go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, evening. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt. I'm over here from New Jersey. So I share the whole fourth step is very sometimes a, a try struggle with that. I'm looking for a sponsor to work the steps again, and uh, I've been struggling with food to get myself back on track. And, uh, yeah, it's hard to admit when I'm wrong. That's one of the reasons why I've been struggling with the step work. I don't like admitting when I have to redo something or when I have to when I make a mistake, and um, I'm trying to work on that right now, like taking a day one day at a time and just give in to this process and not get check my ego at the door. It's not easy. It is a process, and uh, I'm trying to humble myself before my higher power and before the group and saying I don't have all the answers. I just don't. If I did, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here in the first place. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, madam. All right. Well, that's close enough. We still have about 30 seconds. But this is continuous, as you all know, a continuous learning about ourselves. Um, I want to thank everyone who shared. And uh, the share ID for this meeting, 7 a.m. Monday, uh, June 11th is 11,521. 11521. I will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. So please, Miss KDG, would you read a vision for you for us? I would love to. <clears throat> Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Excuse me. 
We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.